I, I, there's a phrase, and, and I think it's safe to say, I'm going to go a, a bit out on a limb here and say that I, I think we've all probably said it. Even if you're here this morning and you say, but Ron, I'm not a Christian. I don't really, not even sure there's a God. I, I, the, the fact is, this is just something that we say so often. I think even in our culture still, people who are not Christians, who don't uh, believe in God, they, they still say it on occasion. You'll pick it up sometimes on, on national newscasts or whatever. But, but the phrase I'm thinking of is, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you, right? When somebody is hurting, when somebody is struggling, and we, we're not sure what we can do for them, we're not sure how we can help them, and, and, and you get to that place, and what do you say? You say, well, we're praying for you, right? I mean, we're, we'll pray for you. I, I can do that much. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. And like I said, even I think people who aren't Christians or who don't normally pray sometimes get to a place where they just kind of say, oh, I don't know what else to do, so I'll just say I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you. And, and that's a good thing to do. That is a wonderful thing to do. And it raises the question I want to think about you with you this morning, and that is when you've said that to somebody, first of all, do pray. <laughs> Don't just say it, but do pray. But what I want to think about with you this morning is what do we pray when we say we're going to pray for someone? How, how do we pray for other people, particularly when they're going through difficulties, particularly when they're going through struggles? What, what kind of prayers might we offer? That's, that's the question I want to think about with you. Like I say most of us have, have said pretty regularly, I'll, I'll pray for you, but but what does it mean? How, how might we pray? And, and there's more than one way, okay? But I want to look at how Paul prays this morning. Uh, what do we pray for when we pray for others? We're working our way through the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, calling the series Finding Our Place. We said that these are people who are going through struggles and some identity crisis, and the world around them was changing significantly. And, and, and Paul needs to write to them to say, look, this is where you belong. This is who you are in Christ. And, and so it's finding our place, and, and we're still in chapter 1, so let me just kind of real quick review. The first week, two weeks ago, we talked about the introduction where, where Paul says, this is me, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. All right, I come with the authority of God in writing this letter to you. And then he said, to you, the holy ones in Ephesus. And, and we talked about how it was probably not just one church in the city of Ephesus itself, but was actually a whole group of churches in that whole area that, that Paul is writing to all of them and, and, and just trying to encourage them, and he's, and he's trying to strengthen them. And then last week, Daniel talked about what Paul does next, because he says, this is who I am, this is who I'm writing to. And then he says, and I just got to tell you, I praise God for all that he has done for us in Christ. And he just lists all of these benefits. He just says, it is so amazing to be in Jesus Christ. I hope you can understand what it means to be in Jesus Christ. You're saved and you're forgiven and you're redeemed. And, and Daniel focused especially on one thing, and that is that we are sons and daughters of God, adopted into God's family. That we are not slaves or servants, but children of God. And I'm going to come back to that a, a little bit later. So, so Paul has this thing. He says, you know what? Here's who I am here. I'm writing to. And I just praise God for all that we have in Christ. And then the next thing he says in verses 15 to 23, the next thing Paul says is, you've got to know something. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And he tells us what he's been praying for these Christians in that age. And I think what Paul would probably pray for us as well. And so that's why I say, I think that, that, that this is going to be helpful for us to say, okay, when Paul was praying for somebody, what did he pray for? How did he pray for others? I, I've got two goals for us this morning, okay? Two goals for us. And, and, and the first is to, to use Paul's prayer as a model for prayer. 
Okay, now I underlined and bolded A <laughs> because this is one of the prayers in the Bible. It's not the only one. And, and, and I think Paul has some important things to challenge us with about our prayer life here. But this is not the only prayer in the Bible. This is not the only way Paul says to pray. So this is not a full answer. You can learn other things from other places. And I just, I, I always worry sometimes that we preachers kind of say, well, this is it. This is the key. If you pray this way, then everything works fine. No, this is a model for prayer. And, and, and as uh, Kevin alluded to, we're going to end the service by asking you to, to take out a prayer request card and write something down. So as I go through this, I want you to be thinking about, okay, who might I be praying for? Who, who might God be calling me to pray for? And, and, and how might I share that with others? Or how might I just do that on my own? And, and, and you know, what should I pray for them? So I want to use it as a model, but I also want to, I, I can't help it as I go through this, as I was working on this all week, I can't help but say, you know, I also want to think about what does Paul say we need? Because what he's saying is, you know, this is what the church in Ephesus needed. These are what these Christians needed as they faced the struggles of their day, as they faced the challenges of their day. I'm reading through this and I'm saying, okay, God, that's what I need, okay? That's what I need. And so I want to kind of have both of those things going on. We're learning a pattern for prayer here this morning, but we are also, we're also learning what we need. We're learning, again, how important it is for us to find our place uh, that's going to be at the center of, of Paul's prayer. So what do we pray for when we pray for others? Two things. First one's going to be short, and the second one is where we're going to spend our time this morning, okay? The first one that, that Paul just kind of mentions in passing, but I think it's, it's, a, it's a good thing for us to think about in terms of what do we pray for when we pray for others. First thing that Paul prayed for when it came to the Ephesians is this. He, he, he gave thanks to God for them, and, and, and part of what I think we can do maybe better for some of us. I know for me, just to thank God for people in our prayers, just to, and, and not just thank you, God, for the impact they're having on me. I'm just thankful for them. Look at what Paul says. We start at verse 15, all right, and 16. For this reason, Paul says, and again, he's been, because God is so good to us in Christ, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And that remembering there is continually remembering. Paul says, you know what? Ever since I heard about your faith and your love, I have been just thanking God for you. And, and I think what he thanks God for are those two things. For, for their faith, that they belong to Jesus Christ, that they have given their lives to Jesus Christ. They've put their trust in him. They've surrendered themselves to Jesus Christ, just as we were singing. saying, Lord, I surrender all. They've done that. And that faith has been accompanied by love, by works. And, and, and so I'm just so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for your faith, and I'm so thankful for your love. And, and maybe that's the thing. When, you wanna, when we come to that place of, of perhaps writing down some of those prayer requests, just to say, you know what? I just want to thank God that my kids are walking with the Lord. I just want to thank God that, that this person is walking with the Lord. I want to thank God for the love that this person shows. I want to thank God for the way that this person cares. The, the fact is, I get inspired sometimes just by watching you love others. Sometimes watching you love each other and care for each other. And I hear the stories of, of, of cards that are sent, of meals that are brought, of, of people just coming together. And I thank God for those things. And, and so maybe that's what you want to do. You want to just give thanks to God for, for somebody else, here or someplace else. Told you the first point was short. Okay, only one more, but it's going to be a little longer. Okay, so we give thanks to God for others. And, and, and then the second thing, and, and this is, I think, this has been really challenging me of, of thinking of how I pray for others. And I was even really aware of it as I'm praying as a congregation here. Because Paul's 
prayer, and this is the only thing he really asks for, and the rest of what he's praying for, for all of these f- people, is, is Paul prays and asks God to help them know, to help them understand. And, 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 and I think that needs to be a key part of our prayers, that, that we ask God to help other people know, to help them understand, to, to see who God is. Look at how Paul goes on here, okay? Verse 17, he says, I keep asking, again, ongoing. Paul is continually praying. As he's thinking about you, he's praying for you. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of, of wisdom. That's understanding, right? That, the God, of, that God can give you wisdom and, and the spirit of revelation so that you can see, so that you can understand. Why? So that you may know. Okay, so that you may know him better. Next verse, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened in order, what? That you may know. In order that you may know. And the rest of what Paul does in this chapter is he just talks about what they're supposed to know. But I want to just take a couple of minutes here and think about the significance of this. And, and again, I want to be, make sure you, you follow with this on this because I, I want to make it clear, Paul and, and this is important. First of all, and, and nowhere actually in this whole prayer does Paul ask God to change the circumstances. Now, it's not wrong. But I think I look at my prayer life and almost, well, a lot of it, when I come to asking God for my, when I come to the supplication, to the requests, what I say is, God, change those circumstances. God, do this, change that, re- restore that marriage. Uh, you know, and, 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 and I, and I, I ask Mostly for God to change circumstances. Think about how often in your prayers that's what we're doing. But that's not what Paul does here. He doesn't say, God, make it easier. He certainly could have. These people to whom he was writing had plenty of struggles. They had plenty of difficulties. And, and, and Paul could have said, I pray that Nero will be gone so that you can, so that you can have freedom. I pray that, that, that you won't have children who are sick any longer. I pray for all of those things. And it's not wrong to pray for those things, okay? I, that's why I want to make really clear. There are clearly places where we pray for circumstances. But I think, I think scripturally, in a sense, that needs to be secondary. And, and the primary prayer that prayer offer, that, that Paul does is he's asking God, Paul's prayers, asking God to help them know who they are no matter what the circumstances. That's, God, help them to know and to see who they are in Christ. And, and I think about that. And, and that's why I say, you know, so Sally's here. And I pray that God just gets rid of all that cancer. And, and I have no problem praying that. But I think Paul would say, but more importantly, I want to pray, Sally, that you know God is with you through this, that you understand who you are in the midst of this. Do you see the difference? And, and again, it's not wrong to pray, but, but what's more important, and, and we get all caught up in the circumstances. And we say, well, if the circumstances are bad, God can't be with me. And Paul wants to say, that's not the way it works. That's not the reality. Let me try to expand on this and, and just kind of illustrate this by picking up on what Daniel talked about last week. Let's say that what, what Paul is praying that we have to know is that we are adopted sons and daughters of God. Okay? We are adopted sons and daughters of God. And I want you to say, see how knowing that makes all the difference in the world. So let me give you some formulas here. Okay? I'm going to give you some formulas of, of how I think things work. Let's imagine that you're in bad circumstances. Okay, things are not going well. It's one of those times in your life where it feels like you're the fire hydrant and the whole world's a dog, right? And you're just getting dumped on and it's just everything's going wrong, right? Everything is a struggle. Everything's going wrong. Now, if you have those bad circumstances and what, what Paul would call no understanding, right? No knowledge of your place, no knowing who you are in Christ, 
all you see of yourself is you're a fire hydrant, okay? All you see is saying, I just get dumped on. It's all unfair. I just, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. And, and, and there's no God. And, and I don't see who God is. And I don't see where God is. And I don't see uh, he doesn't love me anymore. Or he never did or whatever. Or never existed. If I have that lack of understanding. And I'm in those bad circumstances. What that leads to is despair, right? It's despair because there's no, there's no hope. There's no reason to believe in anything good. But it's even a problem if we have no understanding, if we have good circumstances, all right? Let's say my life is good. I'm the dog, all right? And, and, and I, everything is going really well in my life. Everything is, the kids are good, the house is good, the job is good. Everything is going really well, all right? But let's say I don't have any understanding. I don't understand who God is. I don't understand who I am in him. What that leads to is arrogance, Right? Because, and I did it all myself, and I can take care of myself, and I don't need anybody else. And, and so that's why Paul continually is saying, I'm not as concerned about your circumstances. Philippians, Paul says, I have learned to be content in every circumstance. He's not as concerned about our circumstances as he is about our understanding. Because if we have bad circumstances and understanding, if I'm in the midst of a really difficult place, but I know that I'm a child of God. And I know that God is big enough to take care of me. And I know nothing can take me out of his hands. I know that I am a son of God. I know that he will always hold on to me. Do you see, what? then in the midst of those bad circumstances, I don't lead to despair. What I lead to is peace and hope. Because I know that God is still with me. I know that God is, and, and, and again, so often we in the church, are, are, I think, are, can be guilty of kind of saying, well, you know what, God is going to change those circumstances, and, and if you have bad circumstances, well, then it must be that you don't believe in God enough or something. It's your lack of faith that's causing this. And I think, again, God is not as interested in our circumstances as in what we know and who we are in the midst of those circumstances. Again, good circumstances are a very similar thing, right? Good circumstances, things are going well, but I have understanding I have understanding. I know who God is. I know I am an adopted son of God, all right? I'm an adopted daughter of God, and what that leads to is gratitude, right? Because I remember this is all a gift. It's not arrogance. It's not like I got this because I'm better than the rest of you or I'm smarter than everybody else or, or because of that or my kids are, are, are healthier because, well, we are just better parents or whatever. No, it is all a gift, a gift, a gift. It's grace. That's what we're going to talk about next week. It's grace, grace, grace. And, and so what I, what I want you to think about, and, and, and again, think about it in your prayers. Think about it in, 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 in your own life. I, I, I might sound cruel, but in a sense, God isn't as interested in the circumstances as he is in our understanding. He's more interested in us finding our place. That's why I think this book is so important. He's more interested in us knowing who we are and growing deeper and deeper in that. Tim Keller, in, in talking about this, gives a, a, a really helpful example of this, he, about asking God to, to help them no matter who they are and, and what the circumstances are and, and how important that is. He, he talks about being adopted, and, and let me just kind of give you the illustration he uses. Imagine that, that there's an eight-year-old girl or that you're an eight-year-old girl, whatever, but imagine there's an eight-year-old girl, and, and, and she's been an orphan from the time she was born. And she's gone from foster home to foster home to state facility to state facility. She, she's gone to all of these places. But when she gets to be eight years old, a, a family comes, a couple comes, a mom and a dad come, and they say, we want you to be our little girl. We want you to be our little girl. We love you. 
that eight-year-old is not going to say, well, hold on, I got a few questions. Can you tell me about your plan for college? What's your retirement plan? What are our vacation plans? Because before I say, uh, no, that little eight-year-old girl says, yes, I want you, I love you. And now as she grows older, she needs to, at 12, the parents are going to say, let's tell you a little bit about the resources. Even though right now it doesn't look like we're doing real well, we're doing fine. Okay, and we got your college already paid for. And, and those things, you grow into them, but the initial is, is just you, you, you love them because they love you. And that's the way it is with God, all right? That's the way it is. It, 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 and that's why Paul is saying, I'm praying that you can know him better. I'm praying that you can know him more. Because when, when Jesus Christ, we see how much he loves us, and we say yes, and we receive his promise, and we become a son or a daughter of God through adoption into God's family, that is wonderful. But it's not the end of the journey. The, the, the rest of our lives is spent trying to understand our Father and our brother and the Holy Spirit and who we are in them. And, 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 and so th- that's why Paul is just praying over and over again, I want you to know. I, my prayer is that the eyes of your heart are opened. And, and I think it's a challenge for all of us as we think about praying for each other. And again, I'm going to keep praying for circumstances because again, there are really difficult, painful things in this world. And, and, and I don't want any of us to go through any more than we have to. But in the midst of those, I think it's more important that we pray, God, and help, help that person to see that they are in your hands. Help them to understand. Give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And, and, and I think that there's something really significant in the fact that Paul prays for that, for understanding, for an idea of knowing your place rather than always having the circumstances changed. Now, Paul does give us some specific things that he wants us to know, that he wants the Ephesians to know. He's asking God to help them know three things. The first is this. He says, and and again, we ask God to help others know that we have hope in Christ. Hope is such a powerful force that we have hope in Christ. Let's go to verse 118. This is really, this in the the first part of 19 are the center of the text this morning. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know what? The hope to which he has called you. That's the first thing Paul says. I'm, I'm just praying that you can know hope. Now, three things I want to say about this. First, it, it's not denying that things are difficult, okay? It is not denying that things are difficult. I had lunch with somebody this week, and the last five years of his life have been so difficult and, and, and just such a struggle. And I, I find myself even listening to that and kind of saying, well, yeah, but did you make mistakes here? Was this your foolish choices? And it wasn't. It was some health issues that came on for kids, for spouse, and just a whole bunch of stuff that just really was difficult. And, and he said the most difficult thing for him was, was, was holding on to, just knowing that God was still with him, that, that, that there was hope because he said he kind of, you know, kind of heard the Christian cliches that say, well, you know, God just wants to make you happy and wealthy. And if you're not, then it's your fault. And, and, and so we have to be honest about saying it, it's, it's not denying. Hope is not saying, hey, everything's great. No, hope says everything stinks right now. But God is not done yet. Hope says God is not done yet. That's what's at the core of it. And again, that's what I, I, I pray for people so often. What we need is hope. Hope is a powerful force. One of my favorite illustrations of this comes from years ago. And, and it's an odd one, but stick with me on this. I, I read about an experiment that was done with mice. And what they did was they had this, these, these, you know, whatever they were, jars, large enough for the mice to be in and swim. And they were filled like three-quarters of the way full with water. 
And, and so then they would take a mouse and they would put it in there. And what they wanted to see was how long would the mouse swim before it gave up? Before it just said, I'm going to die, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drown. Now, I, I, my, my hope and prayer is that they, when the mice gave up, they picked them up and gave them a little mouse CPR. <laughs> you know, so that they, no animals were hurt in the conducting of this experiment, just for those of you who love mice. Um, but, but they wanted to see how long they would last. Now, here's where it got interesting. What they did is for half of the mice, they put them in containers that had a lid on it that they couldn't see out of, that they couldn't see, and, and, and basically that there was no hope. And half of the mice were in a, a, a jar that had no lid on it. They could see out. Those that had no lid, those that had hope, lived twice as long. I mean, they swam twice as long. They all lived. But they swam, I mean, they, they swam twice as long. And, and, and what happens is we often say, well, where there's life, there's hope. But I think it's more true to say where there's hope, there's life. Hope is that powerful. When we get to a place that says there's just nothing, that it's, God has forgotten me and it's never going to get any better and there's nothing I can do, it doesn't make any difference. When we lose hope, we lose life. And one of the most important things we can pray for each other is that we will not lose hope. That we will recognize that God is still at work. Even in the midst of, and, 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 and again, it, it, it's, we believe in a God who raises people from the dead. Uh, you know, the coffin, we go into, they put our bodies when we die into a grave and they put a lid on that. But Jesus showed us that that lid was not strong enough to keep him in. Six feet of dirt was not strong enough to keep him in. A rock in front of a tomb was not strong enough to keep him in. And so there is always hope even in the face of death. And, and what we need, maybe more than I need, to not have any struggles in my life is I need hope. I need to understand who God is. So that's the first thing, that, that we have hope in Christ and, and as I'm praying for others, and maybe there's somebody that you want to pray for. And again, if it's, uh, you know, Lord, change their circumstances, but maybe you want to pray, Lord, can you just give hope to my brother-in-law? Because he's just been just beat up for so long. And I just pray that you will give him hope to, to know that you have not forgotten him. So we have hope in Christ. The second thing that, 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 that Paul prays for the Ephesians that I think we can pray for others is, is that we can, we can know that we are God's inheritance, that we are God's treasure. This is an interesting one in in, in the translations and so on, and in the verse, and especially in the Greek. But it says, you know, again, 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And then this phrase, and it's a challenging one, but the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And when I first read that, I thought, okay, so I have to know the hope, and then I have to know the riches that I have. Right, the riches that I have in Jesus Christ. But that's not what it says. Look at what it says. It's the riches of his glorious inheritance. Okay, what's that talking about? It's, it's the riches of God's inheritance. I'm supposed to know the riches of God's inheritance. What are the riches of God's ho- inheritance? It's this. It, it, it's in his holy people. Throughout scripture, God's inheritance is his people. God's treasure is his people. God's, God's greatest joy is his people. And, 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 and I think what Paul then is, is praying here, that's why I phrase it this way, I, I just pray that you can know how precious you are to God. I pray that you can know that you are God's inheritance, that you are God's treasure, that you are, are just so significant and, and so loved by God. I'm praying, Paul says, that you can know that God delights in you. And, and again, that is so challenging for me. Because so often what I find myself praying for, especially for people who I am maybe somewhat in a disagreement with, saying, Lord, just I pray that they can know how wrong they are. 
I pray that you will convict them of their sin. I pray that you will show them that they are wrong. Lord, straighten them out. Lord, do that. And I wonder if maybe our prayer should not be more, Lord, I just pray that they can understand how loved they are. The fact is, let's be honest, a lot of our sinning and a lot of our hurting each other is, is, is because of fear. It's because we're afraid we don't matter. We're afraid we don't have a place, and so we try to make ourselves important. And, and I think, what if we really saw ourselves in God's eyes? What if we really understood that God delights in us? What if we could understand how precious we are? What if we could understand... I mean, imagine trying to buy a gift for Bill Gates. You, you, you couldn't, he can buy anything. But if you could find a gift where he'd go, that's what I love most. You know what? God answers that question with what he loves most? You. What he delights most in is you. He wants you. And he, he finds great joy in you. Look at Zephaniah. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. Zephaniah is talking about God's people are his inheritance. They are his pleasure. They are his joy. They are his treasure. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God delights in us. Uh, one of you years ago, gave me a, a sermon on a tape. That's how long ago it was. Now, it was a cassette tape, not an eight-track, so it wasn't that long ago. But I'll never forget it because the preacher said, I want you all to imagine something and go ahead and do this. Imagine that right now, all of a sudden, you are face-to-face -face with God. You are looking in the face of God. What does he say? For many of us, if not most of us, if not all of us, what God says is, I'm disappointed in you. You failed. You didn't go to church as much as you should have. You didn't love others the way you should have. You didn't do this and you didn't do that. And, and most of us have this. It's not the scriptural story. Heart of God is that he delights and he wants more than anything else for us to flourish. He is not as angry as he is sad for the brokenness in our lives and the brokenness we bring on ourselves. And yes, God hates sin. But he hates sin because it destroys and it hurts us. And if God could look you in the eye, he would say, I love you. And what if we actually believed that? And what if our kids believed that? How often do we pray for our kids and say, Lord, keep them out of trouble? Lord, don't let them do anything bad. And how often do we say, Lord, I just pray that Jake can know how special he is to you. Just pray that Kaylee can know she is a gift, that she is your treasure, and that she doesn't have to try to prove anything to anybody. Pray that you can know how special, other, that others can know how special they are. God delights in us, and, and God is making us glorious. We are his glorious inheritance. Someday we will be amazing. Again, John says this in 1 John 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So maybe you want to say, you know what, I just want to pray that, that this grandchild, that this friend, that this person who's, who's really angry at the church, that that person can know, can know that, that God wants them to be a treasure. 
that God wants them to be an inheritance, that God created them and loves them and adores them, and God wants them to come home. Paul says, that's what I pray, that you can just get a clue of how much God loves you. So pray that we have hope in Christ. Paul says, I just pray that you have that. We pray that for others, that that person can know that we have hope in Christ, that that person can know that we are God's inheritance and treasure. And, and then the third thing, that, that they can know that, that God's power is incompar- incomparably great. I, I pray, Paul says, that, that you can know how powerful God is. Ephesians, again, back to verses 1, 18 and 19, chapter 1, 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and third, his incomparably great power for us who believe. His incomparably great power. And I love it. Paul doesn't say, I want you to know how powerful God is. And he doesn't say, I want you to know God's great power. He says, I want you to know God's incomparably great power. There is nothing and there is no one who is more powerful than God. God can do anything. And in his time, God will make all things new. And again, what that means is when I do pray for healing, I can say, God, I know you can do this. Because God could. God can. And ultimately, one day, God will. But I also have to say, God, I know it's not a question of your power, and I don't always understand why you don't give me that. So more importantly, help me to know that I don't have to worry that this disease is going to win in the end. It's God's incomparably power great power that is greater than any cancer that is greater than any brokenness that is greater than any disease God's power will ultimately undo all that is wrong and again it's more important that I know that than that I get healed it's more important that I live in that awareness than that the disease lives in my body now I'm praying for the disease to leave my body I'm praying for healing and there's no problem with that and I know God can do it if he chooses to in an instant It's more important for me to know that I am in his hands. God can do anything. Paul spends the rest of this chapter, the next four verses, talking about the power of God. That power is the same as the mighty strength he, that is God the Father, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, right? That power is bigger than death, and he exalted and seated Christ at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Paul wants us to know that God's power is so big, and it is so great. And God placed all things under his feet, that is Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God can do anything. And sometimes what we've got to say is just, Lord, please help that person to see this. Lord, please help that person to know that you are big enough to take care of them. And, and I pray that for any of you. Again, I, I, some of you I know are going through struggles. God can do anything. And, and I think we have to recognize as well that God's power is for us. I, I, I love that in, in verse 19. He says, incomparably great power for us who believe. It's for us. God's power is for us. God is on our side. Now, I think we have to recognize and say, who believe? That's why it's so important to be in Christ. <laughs> That's why it's so important. I mean, our place, if we try to make a place for ourselves outside of Christ, then we don't have these promises. If we try to make a place for ourselves on our own, and that is why it's essential 
And that's why my heart breaks to say, I want all of you to make sure you're in Christ. I want my neighbors to know that they are in Christ. I want my kids and my grandkids to know and, and to believe that they are in Christ. I want them to accept the gift of God because then you get the promises of God. So God can do anything and God's power is for us. So, so that's the pattern that Paul gives us for prayer, huh? I mean, we give thanks to God for others and maybe that's what you want to do. But he also says, I just pray that you can know. And, and that's my prayer again for each and every one of you and, and, and maybe there's somebody specifically you have in mind. You say, and I just pray that you can know the hope. I hope, pray you can know the, the inheritance that you are in God's eyes. And, and I pray that you can know that God has enough power. That God has enough power. I pray that you can know those things. So we're going to close by, by actually praying for each other. And, and what we're going to ask you to do is, in just a couple of minutes, the band is going to come up. They're going to play um, a, a song, and, and then they'll sing later on. But during the time when they're just playing, a couple, two, three minutes, um, ask that you, if you're willing to, just take one of those prayer cards in and write down a prayer item. Maybe you want to write down the name of somebody. You just say, God, I thank you for this person. Or, God, I, I pray for this person. And it's okay. You can pray for healing. We're not going to say they didn't listen. You can pray for healing. That's okay. But you can also pray, God, I, help that, I, I pray for this person that he or she can know hope, that they can have that hope that they have, that they can know your power, whatever it is. But we're going to ask you to do that. It might be a thanksgiving for someone, a request for ourselves. Again, you can pray. I just need, I need to know God's hope. I'm really struggling with that. And then they're going to start to sing. The, the, the singer's going to start to sing, and the shepherd leaders are going to bring some baskets around. And if you want to, again, you don't have to. If you want to take that card and you put it in the prayer, in the basket, you can. And then what we're going to do is we're going to put the baskets by the doors. And again, if you want to, you can pick one up and just pray for that person this coming week. And, and so if you say, well, I don't want to put a name on there, that person, then it's my brother-in-law, and you don't sign it or whatever. But, you know, I mean, I, we want to respect that. And, and you don't have to. If you don't, we're going to be praying for them here all week. But just to kind of say, you know what, we, we ought to be praying for each other. And the prayer team says, you know, let's just take some time and, and share those requests. And then just, if you want to, like I say, on the way out the door, grab one if you want. And, and uh, if you don't, that's okay. If you don't want to put it in, you want to just keep it for yourself and pray, that's fine too. Um, but, but it's good for us to pray for each other. So let me close in prayer here, and then we'll, we'll get on with that. So... Father, we thank you for this gift of prayer that we can come into your presence. And, and, and Father, we want to have, we, we have people we love. And, and for some of them, we just want to give you thanks for them. And, and, and thanks for the way that they've walked with you. Maybe a parent who's shown us what it means to be faithful to you. And maybe a child, maybe somebody else. And, and so we want to thank you for those things. We, Lord, we want to pray for each other. For some of us, we really do want to pray for healing. And, and we know that you are a God who will ultimately one day heal. But sometimes, Lord, we want to just pray that we can know and find our place in the midst of a really confusing world. Again, for us this week, we discovered that and just were reminded that it's changing around us. So, Lord, help us to know the hope that we have and, and, and the treasure that we are and the power you have. So whatever it is, Lord, we just pray that you will um, just take these things and and help us to know you, who you are and to find our place. We pray this in Jesus' name.